Today's program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons, producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage using 100% pasture-raised, certified humane Berkshire cuts. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to the second episode of Animal Instinct here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Celia Kutcher, also known as the Food Healer, and today our topic is pet or companion birds. We're going to discuss breeds, basic care, food, housing, all that good stuff. So if you've ever thought about getting a bird or have one already, we'll have lots of information and tips to share. I honestly don't know that much about birds, so I'm incredibly grateful to have Lorelai Tibbetts in the studio with me today. Lorelai is the manager of the Center for Avian and Exotic Medicine in New York City. She's worked exclusively with exotic pets since 2004 and is the chair of her veterinary technician specialty academy, the Academy for Veterinary Technicians in Clinical Practice. There, Lorelai was a founding member of the Exotic Companion Animal Specialty. She's passionate about exotic pet education and enjoys lecturing at veterinary symposiums as well as teaching students at her practice. Welcome, Lorelai. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about birds today. How are you? I'm great. Nice to be here. Thank you. Oh, I'm thrilled that you're here. So first question, just because I know it's going to be running in everybody's head if we don't bring it up. It's the Center for Avian and Exotic Medicine. What's an exotic pet? That's a great question. Um, We get asked it all the time. We basically see all companion pets that are non-dog and cat. Um, That would be the vast majority, parrots, uh, rabbits, guinea pigs, hamsters, and reptiles. We see a lot of snakes and turtles and tortoises and things like that. Um, We do see some of the more exotic species, like every now and then someone comes in with sugar gliders and hedgehogs and things like that. Um, We do not treat venomous animals or primates. Okay. But other than that, everything's really fair game for us. So if you have a cobra or a monkey, you can't go see Lorelai. Yeah, you're out of, out of luck. <laughs> I, I love my job, but I, I don't want to die for it. I don't blame you. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're talking about birds, and we've got a lot of information, so I think we should stick to this. Mm-hmm. All right. So birds as companion animals. Who are birds good for? A great question. Um, Not a lot of people. Uh, People, the thing is, birds are so endearing and wonderful to have in our homes because they love to bond, you know, in nature. They bond with their flocks and their mates. A lot of parrots will, you know, bond for life Mm -hmm. and they will create a bond like that with a human. And that's something a lot of people desire. They're gorgeous. They talk. They have so much personality. The problem is they're really hard to care for and people are often unprepared for that. Mm -hmm. Um, The cost that is involved, the veterinary care, the heartbreak when things don't go their way, yeah. when they bite and they scream and they're messy and you have a baby um, and the baby, it bites the baby and yeah. you've got to get rid of the bird. And, you know, I work with birds all the time and I see all the heartbreaks. So it's a it's a really tricky thing. Uh, it, it's not something I recommend for the vast majority of people. You really need to know what you're doing mm-hmm. and have a lot of time and energy and money and education before making this decision. So I know that we talked about this last week that the first year, if you get a puppy, first year of veterinary medicine is approximately four thousand dollars. A cat, I think, was nineteen hundred. What are you looking at for a bird? Well. 
the, the problem is most people who get a bird, because they don't require vaccines, mm-hmm. um, like a dog or a cat, and most birds don't come to you with worms yeah. like a dog or a cat might, most people don't even think to go to the vet in, in year one, which is a huge problem okay. because then they don't learn how to set their bird up for what they might need for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Meaning, well, what is the best diet? How should I set the cage up? What are its better habits to create for it to give it the longest healthy life they can get? So when you miss that at the very beginning of, mm-hmm. of your bird, birds, you know, living in your home, I think it costs you a lot more money in the long run. If you were to come to us or a veterinarian with your bird the very first, you know, time, it's not as expensive as it is for a dog or a cat. You're mm-hmm. going to, you know, we definitely would recommend some post-purchase testing to make sure your bird's in good health. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk to, depending on the kind of birds, sometimes microchipping. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So there are things we can do, but really the vast majority of what we do is educating you on how to care for them properly so that they don't get sick. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, cost for that is is under a thousand dollars. That's cool. Yeah. And I think it's really important also to mention that if you have a bird, find a vet practice that sees birds because not all of them do. So you do want a hospital that has avian and exotics. They sometimes go hand in hand in New York, but like don't go to your normal dog yeah. cat vet because they're not going to be able to help you that yeah. much. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of dog cat vets with good intentions will say, yeah, we'll see your bird because they want to help. Yeah. But that also may not be the best resource, I would strongly recommend going to the um, ABVP, which is the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners, and actually finding an avian specialist in your area, Nice. or at minimum, the AAV, which is the Association of Avian Veterinarians, to find a veterinarian who is at least a member of this um, renowned organization, which means they have a special interest and are pursuing continuing education on the subject. Cool, cool. So, I mean, there's a million different kinds of birds, so we're talking really blanket questions here but let's start with like a parakeet or a budgie yeah like what's the average lifespan of one of those birds well in captivity they probably average out about um i'd say six to eight years okay and then cockatiel well the females are less than the males because the females tend to unfortunately get reproductive issues mm-hmm. in captivity mm-hmm. so maybe 15 14 the males i've certainly seen up into their early 20s wow and those are definitely the most common birds for pets uh with people with kids and things family pets budgies and cockatiels yeah and that's just a little cockatiel i mm-hmm. mean then we're talking about the parrots right. and i had a friend who had a scarlet macaw whose name, fortunately, was Scarlet, but um, she belonged to their great-grandmother. She was the one that got it. Mm-hmm. By the time I met the bird, the bird, I think, was 86, mm-hmm. spoke in the great-grandmother, the grandmother, and the mother's voices when they were children. It was really spooky. But, yeah. like, this bird has to be willed down through the generations. So when you're talking about a parrot, like, what, how yeah. long then? They can live a really long time. I mean, they certainly, like you're talking about, can live into their 80s and 90s. Unfortunately, many of them don't yeah. because they don't have proper diet or nutrition or exercise and lighting and things go wrong. So a lot of them don't live that long, mm-hmm. unfortunately. They succumb to diseases and, and illnesses of, of captivity, basically. Um, but they they can and people should be prepared for totally. a minimum in a large parrot. They're going to live 50 years, yeah. 60 years. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Amazon parrots and, and African greys and macaws. 
absolutely. It's fascinating. Gonna live that long. Yeah. You know, you never think that. It's like, oh, it's a pet. How long is it going to last? And it's like 45 years mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Still so you have around. to be prepared. I mean, I get, I talk to people all the time about, you know, how, what do I do? I'm 65, 70 years old and I have a 20 year old bird. And oh, wow. Yeah. So people have to prepare. They have wills and they want to know how to, you know, set up an estate for their birds. It's, it's cool. You should be prepared. Yeah, you really should. I think that's important for all pets. Mm-hmm. But to know that a bird, you know, it's going to last a lot longer than a dog or a cat. Absolutely. So, um, if you go, where should someone go to get a bird? I'm assuming the big box stores are not the best place, but... I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. Okay. Um, if you're looking for a hand-tamed bird, mm-hmm. um, like a, some parakeets, if you go to the, you know, the, the, the big brand-name stores around the city, they're probably not hand-tamed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they can't become hand-tamed in your home, but you're going to have a little more work for you. Okay. You can spend a little more money. There's some boutique pet shops in the, in the area. I'm happy to give their names. Yeah, please. Um, there's a, a store called Fauna, um, which is a specialist bird and, and reptile boutique. They also do aquatic fish. Cool. They're on 87th Street between Broadway and West End. They do all hand-raised little birds, like cockatiels and budgies, as awesome. well as some larger birds. There's another great place called Bird Camp on the east side on 52nd Street. So those are great places where if you want a smaller bird that's hand-raised nice. and you're looking for something that you don't have to probably work too hard to train as a mm-hmm. baby. And I'm assuming that they will answer 200,000 questions that everybody has mm-hmm. and all that, too. Yeah, they tend to be more educated as far as their employees and what they're doing um, and, and more responsible about the, the birds they're selling and who they're selling to. Whereas, again, if you go to one of these yeah. big stores, they're going to sell any bird to anybody. You can buy any bird online and they'll totally. ship it to you. You can pick it up at JFK. I do not really oh. recommend doing this. You don't know what you're getting. It's highly stressful for the birds. And... Um, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, that sounds terrible. But I you would. certainly can. I just, I don't. <laughs> it's not possible. My favorite way. We're just not recommending. Yeah. It. So if somebody gets a bird, is it better to get one or two, or should you get a couple birds? Or, um, my personal philosophy yeah, is that that there's no animal that I don't think shouldn't have a friend, except maybe a hamster because they eat each other. But other than that, <laughs> yeah, I think birds do great with with companionship. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same species, although lovely for them if it can be. Okay. But uh, you know, you you do need to be prepared that you're taking on two birds and that sometimes these birds won't like each other. Yeah. Um, so it really has to be a choice that you as a person want two birds that may unfortunately end up in two separate cages and not like each other or you might be lucky and they bond and have a great relationship. So it just really depends on your personal situation. If you're thinking of two birds and you have none, would it? I'm assuming it'd be best to get like if they're a bunch in a cage together, mm-hmm. then you can pick two that are kind of like bonding or hanging out near each other, yeah. that kind of thing. If you're, of... Yeah, if you're choosing say two budgies, little okay. parakeets, they're going. It's a great idea to get two at the same time. The problem is they're probably not going to be. They're going to be harder to maybe tame to okay. be friends with you. And a lot of times people get a bird because they want them to be friends, and yeah. social with them as humans, which I think is is nice. And birds do tend to like people and. Mm-hmm. They can get along well with people. Um, so a lot of times I'll recommend that maybe you get one parakeet, you know, bond with it, socialize right. with it, and then add another one in later so okay. that you'll then have two friends. Whereas if you just get two right off the bat, they might just love each other so much that they ignore you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Which is happened. okay, too. They'll be happy, but maybe you won't be. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because my mom got a cockatiel a long time ago, and she bonded to my mother and my mother traveled a great deal so you know when she was away it was us taking care of this bird and the bird would go into you know demon bird all of a sudden yes. it just didn't want anything to do with us yeah. 
And so I think it's really important, too, for people to understand that this thing really bonds to one person. Like, really, there's going to be somebody right. in the house. I don't care if you're you know, the happiest married couple in the world. Yep. The bird's going to pick one of you. They pick one. And that's the tragedy, too, when people, unfortunately, sometimes decide they have to get rid of their bird for various reasons, is that bird oh. may have chosen you to be their life mate. And, yeah. you know, to give them up is, is often really tragic for a bird. That's so sad. I know. It's oh awful. So, yeah, they can, they, they often, it's, it's pretty rare in my experience that birds will bond equally to all the family members. Yeah. You know, they, they do live in flocks, but they generally have one chosen one within that flock. Well, this one a friend of mine was living with me at the time and I mean, hated her. It was like, she'd come near the room <laughs> but it was like vampire bird. It was yeah. really funny, you know, and yeah, fortunately they got along enough, you know, but that was hands down. It was my mother's bird. You know, and she just she'd sit and she'd sit and groom my mother, and you know, do her eyebrows and do her hair and all this yeah. stuff. And then we'd come by, and it was just like die, die, die. Yeah, you get know? out. So, She's mine. Exactly, exactly. I <laughs> don't like to share. How old should a bird be when you get it? Is there any way that's to a, age it? That's a great question. There, there's not any real scientific way to age a bird, although sometimes if we see the markers of an older bird, such as arthritis or cataracts, mm-hmm. we can kind of ballpark for you. But in general, a middle-aged bird, we're not going to know if it's 10 or 30, depending okay. on the species. Um, but... It, again, it, I'm a big advocate for rescue. Yeah. I work with a lot of sanctuaries. I do a lot of rescue myself. I have a rescue birds. Um, and I think there's so many birds that need homes. I would always encourage people to adopt rather than buy a baby. Mm-hmm. But you have to realize you're getting a bird with baggage. It's going to be an older totally. bird. It has a history. Maybe it was bonded to someone else. Mm-hmm. Maybe it has had heartbreak or medical problems or who knows. So, uh, you know, if you're going to, you kind of need to make that decision. Either you want a baby and you want it hand tamed and and fresh and this is going to be your family member forever or you want to reach out and have a rescue and know that you might need to work a little harder to Mm -hmm. get that relationship going and so if somebody was interested in rescuing a bird where could they find that information for that depends on on uh, where you're located there's some great sanctuaries that do rescue um you could certainly contact me i have a big network of rescue that i work with throughout connecticut and cool. rhode island with different sanctuaries and i am always looking for people who are interested in adoption um, i do have a pretty lengthy application um Good. that as i try screen Good. people and um but when i can match a a loving family with a pet i always Try. It's such a good feeling. It's yeah, so it really wonderful. Is. It's like, yay, we're all together now, <laughs> <Yeah>. finally. <laughs> That's wonderful. It's it's really, birds are amazing. I mean, my, my mother and my grandmother had a bunch. My grandmother saved a sparrow that lived to be, I think, 22. Yeah, a lot of people know. have sparrows as pets. They're because, a trip. Yeah, they are, they are, they're actually technically uh, can be domesticated and, and be really fun, fun pets. They're really great. Mm-hmm. But we're going to take a break right now. Okay. So you are listening to Animal Instinct. I'm here with Lorelai Tibbetts. We're talking about birds, and we'll be back shortly. You are listening to R&R by Peels on the HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
following program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. So we are back, and I'm here with Lorelai Tibbetts, bird expert. We're talking about birds, and now we're going to pretend that you got a bird and you're going to bring it home. <laughs> so let's talk about housing. Well, my favorite thing to tell people is you should purchase the biggest cage you can afford that will fit in your home. Okay. There's no such thing as a cage that, you know, that's too uh, big okay. for a bird. These birds are supposed to fly. They climb. They need exercise. And we should afford them with the absolute biggest thing we possibly can. So, like, those little cute parakeet cages that no. you see? Okay. No, I okay. go crazy. People bring them into the hospital, and I think it's just the little carry cage. Yeah. And then I get a little suspicious based on our conversation. I'll say, wait a minute, is this the cage that your bird actually lives in 24 yeah. hours a day, 365 days a year? And they just look at me and say, yeah, of course. This is what the pet store sold me. Yep. It makes me wild, and okay. it's not okay. Okay. They need You need something big, luxurious, with lots of fun things in it for those birds to do. And big, we're talking like, you know, big. We're not talking like, I oh, mean, the three-foot yeah. cage instead of I the two-foot. I mean, if you foot, force you know? me to say like a dimension, which a lot of people do, mm -hmm. I would say for a parakeet, a single parakeet in a cage, um, assuming that you are going to let it out to fly, which okay. I do think every bird should be encouraged to fly outside okay. of the cage, um, I, I would say, uh, you know, a two, two feet by three feet by you know, they, they like to fly, so I'd say something higher rather than wider, but mm -hmm. two by two by three, something like that would be the minimum. But why not get something bigger if you can? Now, here's a question for you. Do all birds fly, like, do you, are there certain birds that are more up-down and more yeah. that fly across, so like to get yeah, like, the breed? Yeah, like parrots are climbing birds. They, t you know, a lot of parrots will, if you don't kind of make them, won't fly. I, know, okay. I, I have some rescue birds that didn't really learn to fly. So I have to force them to fly and get them exercise if I want them to. Um, but certainly climbing is a big part of it. So height is important with cages as well. They go from perch to perch and up and down and, and that's good exercise for their legs and feet. So it's all, it's all important. And what should the cages be made out of? There's a lot of different materials. You can get anything from pure stainless steel, which is the best mm -hmm. and most expensive. The majority of cages now are coated with a, you know, like a powder coating. Yep. Um, you just want to stay away from the antique cages that you know you buy at a yard sale because it's pretty. Um, a lot of those are yeah. made with um, alloys like zinc that are mm -hmm. toxic to birds, and um, you certainly don't want anything that's rusted or things like that. Okay, cool. And then what should we put in the cage? In the cage should be a minimum of, I would say, three different kinds of perches. And I okay. mean different kinds as in not the dowels that just straight across you want. They sell all kinds of amazing things now. You can get perches that are made of natural wood branches, um, big ones, small ones, mm -hmm. different textures, things that are soft, things that bend. You know, these birds live on these perches, so you should get as many different textures and substrates as possible so their feet can exercise and mm. be on different um, widths and diameters, and it's really healthy for their feet. That's a really, really good point, because 
they have one always uses the same size towels. Right. right. And so that does is that cause idea. like arthritis in yep. your feet? We see a lot of foot problems in birds as they age. Anything from what we call bumblefoot, where they get these sores on their feet, mm-hmm. like pressure sores from always being. It's maybe the same wow. as if you were to wear the same pair of shoes yep. every day and night forever and yeah. not be able to exercise your toes. Eventually, you'd have toe issues and foot issues, and that happens with birds That's all the time. Amazing. God, you know, it's so funny when you start really finding out the right things to yeah. do. And it's like, oh, I feel terrible. I should have done that. I know, I know. I think but... I always make people feel bad. But my, I, I don't, I, please don't feel bad. Just, you know, change things and exactly. be happy that you're learning. It's all good. So then what goes in the bottom of the cage? Well, you know, traditionally a lot of people will put like litter on the bottom of the cage. Mm-hmm. They've used corn cob bedding and all of this. I personally don't find anything good in that. Number one, they poop in it, so it gathers bacteria, sometimes different fungal organisms if you don't change it. Mm. I prefer just throwing newspaper in there. Okay. It's cheap or free. I can change it every day. Yeah. It tends to be tidier uh, and it's not dusty. You don't have, you know, little pieces of, of litter all over yeah. your house. Uh, there's nothing for them to accidentally ingest. It's safe. Smart. So I just go for newspaper. And then how big of a water bowl or a water container? Well, I don't know that there's even a limit with that. It should be definitely changed at least once a day um, because it can grow. You know, if you ever run your finger inside your bird dish, it can be really like slimy if you're not changing it enough. So it should be changed at least once a day with some kind of purified water. And, you know, it can be from a filter water or whatever. You don't have to use bottled water, but um, it certainly shouldn't just be tap water. Okay. And, um... Again, the biggest water size, why not? Because a lot of birds like to bathe in their water dish. Yep. Um, so it's nice to provide that opportunity for them if they want to. Okay, cool. And now here's here's the the whammy question, I the guess. million-dollar question. Yeah, million-dollar <laughs> question. What do you feed them? Yeah, that is the million-dollar question. Um, as a general rule, and without talking for eight hours about this, which I easily could, <laughs> <laughs> you should not just go to your local chain pet shop and buy a seed mix. Those mixes are deficient in many, many nutritional elements and mm-hmm. minerals that are so important to them. Um, you know, in, in years and years ago, you'd go and you'd just get these sunflower mixes, and that's what parrots ate. Yeah. But we know better now. It's kind of like dog and cat nutrition. Things have evolved. Mm-hmm. We've learned what's important for them. And we've learned a lot with birds. Um, Nowadays, we have pelleted diets that are formulated by food companies, kind of like a dog or cat, Mm -hmm. and that it's all a bird needs for their, you know, for their well-being. I personally wouldn't just feed that to my bird because I think there's a lot more fun things for them to eat. They are omnivores, so they can eat almost anything. Avocado is toxic. Chocolate is is toxic. But other than that, they can really have anything. And you can, if you eat healthy or even if you don't eat healthy, you can feed your bird healthy foods. Yeah. vegetables and fruits and things that are fun. So the ideal diet for a parrot um, and even for, for passerines like finches and things, Mm -hmm. they, they should have a mixture of a, a formulated diet, Mm -hmm. maybe like 60, 70%, um, some high quality human grade nuts. Nice. There's nothing wrong with nuts and things. It's good for them. It's a good source of protein as it is for people, but you know, there's no reason to give them, you know, an unregulated pet food seed. Yeah. You might as well go to Whole Foods and get some nice organic nuts for your birds. And you wanted to give them raw nuts or can you do the roasted with them? You can, but it's kind of like with people, you're adding oils and things and processing that they don't need. So they should have raw. They don't have roasted nuts when they're in the jungle. Exactly. So, um, you know, vegetables and fruits can make up a huge part of their diet. Healthy ones, things that are rich in color, like, you know, sweet potatoes mm-hmm. and pumpkin and squash and, you know, papaya and mango, things that are rich in vitamin A. They're really important for birds. And those are the main things that are deficient in um, in seed mixes. So, you know, calcium-rich green 
protein, veggies. It's mm-hmm. all as important for them as it is for us. So, okay, I got a bird and I gave it some food and it did like it. Right. It won't eat vegetables. Oh my so God, the thing I hear every day. I, um, me day. too. It's, it's, there's so he many He didn't times. like it, so I just gave it its seeds back. Or, it's, or my favorite, which was my mother's bird mom, I'm really sorry, was the <laughs> uh, frozen corn uh, carrot pea mix, mm-hmm. you know, which was like every day. It right. was like this poor bird's going to lose its mind. Yeah. So how do you get a bird new, used to new foods? Well, you know, there's the cold turkey way, which is, sorry, you're not getting these seeds anymore. And then there's the, like, slowly weaning it on way, mm-hmm. which I find personally doesn't really work because it's like a child. If you give them, you know, yeah. a choice between a healthy dish of food and an unhealthy dish, they're going to choose the unhealthy. Yeah. So, you know, birds are similar. So, to me... it cold turkey is the best way to go. Um, there, we do, our practice offer um, different, there's some different kinds of foods that are kind of what we call like weaning foods um, that are a mixture of seeds and pellets that you can kind of use. Mm-hmm. We also offer a program at our hospital called Conversion Camp where you can, if you're a client and, and the bird has been assessed for health and all of that, you can leave them with us and we will convert your bird to a better diet so you That's don't need to stress about awesome. it at home. Yeah, it's huge and we do it for reptiles too. So That's if you great. have been trying and trying, you can't get your bird to do it it's because you failed it's not because of your bird no offense it's just it's hard i feel bad i look at my own birds and i'm like oh i want to give you that cookie so i'll do it but someone else who's kind of you know can better at tough love they can do it so that's our job i think that's fantastic because it and also i think what happens too i mean i don't know what happens with other animals if they get used to you being the one with you know the cookies Mm -hmm. these show up with kale and they're like what's that right Uh, that's That's, not you yeah go away yeah exactly i don't don't love you anymore I don't want to be bothered. Thanks. <laughs> so if you have a bird and you're playing tough love, how can, long can you just give it greens and whole foods before you got to get the seeds back? Or? Well, it depends on the, on the bird. Um, and again, it shouldn't just be greens and whole foods. It should be, there should be a formulated portion of that yep. as well. Um, I don't think that we yet understand fully what birds especially they're from all over the world should be eating you know there would be indigenous vegetables and bugs and you know fungi that they're eating that we don't have here so really good point yeah so there really should be a commercial commercially made element to it the fruits and veggies are a supplement and they are important but they're not the most important part now can you recommend a commercial brand that you think is good for bird seed or bird food yeah, for for the pellet diet, mm-hmm. um, I really like. There's a brand called Tops. It's to- total organic pellets. Mm-hmm. They're very very good. Harrison's is another organic pellet. Um, we sell a lot of Zupreme, which is not an organic pellet, but it is a little more palatable than okay. some of the organic ones. And to be honest, I'd rather they ate yeah a, a, a pellet, a commercial pellet, whether it's organic or not, rather than these junky seeds yeah. that are coincidentally not organic totally um so there's those are some great brands but there's a lot of other ones too that's pretty much any commercial pellet is better than a seed mix okay okay that's really good to know and then do you leave the food in all day well, that's, that's a good question, too. Some people do. Some people, you know, there's a whole kind of culture of Ava culture now that are believing we shouldn't be just leaving food in all day. And they do, like, timed feedings. They'll give you, leave food for 45 minutes or an hour in the morning and 45 minutes at night. I personally believe birds should be foraging for their food. Yeah. I like to leave food all day, but I kind of like to make them work for it. I, yeah. don't, I, wouldn't just, I don't just leave a huge dish for them so they can sit on the perch and nap all day and grab a peanut when they want. Yeah, they yeah. they got to look for it. It's going to be wrapped in little pieces of paper or in a toy. So they have to really look for it. That's great. And work for it a little bit. And that'll give them something to do, too, yeah. so they don't get bored. You know? Exactly. 
Yeah, because I always found like the birds that I've spent time around, they they're really smart. I don't think people realize how smart oh birds are. I mean, they're incredibly intelligent, ridiculous smart, mm-hmm. and they get bored. Yeah, you know, they need something to do. Well, behavior issues are such a big problem with birds. Yeah. You know, pull their feathers out, they scream, Ugh. they have temper tantrums, there's all kinds of physical and mental problems that they endure if they're just sitting in a cage sleeping and bored all day. You know, these birds are supposed to be flying and yeah. foraging and mating and raising families. We stick them in a cage in front of, you know, Barney and it's just not okay. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. What? Oh, wait, I wanted to ask you, what was it that I wanted to ask you? It was just a really good question and I just lost it, I distracted you with Barney. Oh, it's all, I, Barney, it was, it was <laughs> worth it. It was totally worth it. That's what it, it was. When you have a bird in a cage at home and it's singing, is it happy? That is a great question. You know, birds communicate in very different ways. Uh, traditionally, when people think of singing birds, they're, they're talking about canaries. Mm-hmm. They, canaries, the ones that sing are the males, and they are singing because they're looking for a mate. So I don't really know that it means they're happy. I kind of think they're they're horny. They're Ooh, looking Stella, for Stella. I need, I need my girl. Where's my lady? So I don't think they're unhappy. I just think it, it's communication. It's not happy or sad. They're they're saying something. Right. We don't understand exactly what it is, but they are communicating, and it's a beautiful way of communication. It really is. It's gorgeous. I hate this. We're out of time, girl. This was <laughs> great. All right. What I would love you to do is I would love you to give a couple references. I'd love to give your uh, practices again. Mm-hmm. It's the Center for Avian and Exotic Medicine. We're on Columbus Avenue between 87th and 88th Street uh, in Manhattan, Upper West Side. We treat exclusively exotic animals. We do not see dogs and cats. Um, Our doctors are specialists. Our nurses are specialists. It's all we do, and we, we love it. Cool. So if anybody has questions or if you've heard Lorelai and you'd like to know more, you can find her there. Um, I'm Celia Kutcher. You can find me at foodhealer.com. We are on Heritage Radio Network. Thank you guys so much for letting me do this show. Uh, Lorelai's going to be back next week because we're going to be talking rodents, and she knows a lot about that too. Mm-hmm. So come and see us if you've got any small pets or you have any questions about them. Thanks a lot and take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.